Today on Catfish Best Source, we talk Minnesota and surrounding catfish with Captain Darren Troseth from the studios of Grand Forks Best Source. Welcome to Catfish Best Source, presented by Half Brothers Brewing. As always, I'm your host, Brad Durick, joined by producer Dale. Thank you for joining us. A couple reminders. We are in the last super clean contest of the season. Super clean cleaner. This stuff cleans your rods, your boats, anything oily, greasy, grills. Very affordable, easy to use, cleaner. The last gift pack, go to the Brad Derrick Outdoors Facebook page, find the pin post of the Super Clean logo. Here, I'll show you one more time, and it's on the screen. And just simply type in the keyword river in the comments. We will randomly draw from there. A couple new things. We are currently accepting applications, entries for the Catfish Capital Challenge in Drayton. Simply go to catfishdrayton.com, find the enter, and put your credit card number in, and you're in. We're taking 60 teams, and again this year, first place is $10,000 guaranteed. Also, we're accepting entries to the Moorhead Catfish Tournament down at MB Johnson Park in Moorhead. That is July 9th. Oh, I should mention Catfish Capital Challenge is August 11th and 12th. Moorhead's July 8th. I'm sorry, Saturday, July 8th. You can enter that one at i29classic.com. Tonight, the first, as always, we have to have a sample. I was going through my sample box yesterday, and boy, I found my new favorite, Morning Dreams. I've been loving this one the last two weeks down at Half Brothers. I was just tickled to find a can of it in my box of samples that's getting dwindled down. So cheers to everyone from Half Brothers and Catfish Best Source, because this is one of my current favorites. And it's still wonderful. As you already know, today I'm having a morning dreams for our friends at Half Brothers Brewing. These guys are awesome at making beer. They have me enjoying brews that I used to not much care for, or thought I didn't. I find myself really liking the IPAs and sours, but of course I still love the classics, like the classic and Nodak 23. Now I should mention the Red Ale Lumberjack Snack. There are so many I can't even remember offhand. They change weekly, so there's always something new to try. Like them on social media, get the lowdown of what's new each week. Also, I'd like to tell you about the tap room on North 3rd Street. Do yourself a favor if you're in Grand Forks, head down to the tap room, have one of the many beers or two, and hang out with your friends and family. Kids are welcome in the tap room. Enjoy the pizza, pizza rolls, nachos, and the pretzel bites, my personal favorite. You won't regret it. Check them out on the web, halfbrothersbrewing.com, or stop by the tap room on North 3rd Street in Grand Forks. Coming up, I'm having my class reunion dinner at Half Brothers. Oh, what's next, Dale? I'm out of touch here. Brothers Firearms. Brothers Shop Firearm Shop located in the Grand Cities Mall. They buy, sell, trade, and new use firearms. Brothers has you got you covered with anything you need from tons of firearms, silencers, all the way to flamethrowers, as you can see behind me. Producer Paul from Grand Forks Best Source likes his flamethrower. And Brothers Firearms is veteran-owned. Dale laughs at me when I say that. Check out Brothers Firearms in the Grand Cities Mall in Grand Forks. Open Monday through Friday from 11 to 6, Saturdays noon to 4. Brothers Firearms protecting America since 2015. BrothersFirearmsShop.com All right. Kind of a last-minute thing. I was planning on having him on anyways this season. From the Minnesota River, Mississippi River, I think those are your prime two. Welcome aboard from Three Rivers Fishing Adventures, Darren Troseth. He's a repeat, actually, from season one, but we never really got to talk fishing or 
or uh, your guide service on that visit. So welcome aboard. Thanks, Fred. Yeah, it was just mostly on doing the uh, fish donkey thing. But uh, first of all, that was pretty impressive doing that intro all on one take. Must be that beer you got there. <laughs> Did you know that I worked in the TV business for 16 years? Yeah, you should be in radio. <laughs> well, same thing, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was impressive. I'm one take Brad. Just give me a... <laughs> You know, I got to tell you, and my wife makes fun of me all the time, is you suck with scripts. You can fly off the handle, but you suck with scripts. And I'm getting better at it, I think. I yeah, hope Dale thinks I'm getting live. better. <laughs> I should almost do it live. I sh- we did do one live a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you might as well. <laughs> but, well, you know what? When you're limited in studio time, you take what you can get. Yeah, but I don't know that we've edited ever edited one of these shows. I don't think we ever have. So, it is what it is. Thanks for the compliments. So, like I said, you've been here before. We talked about Fish Donkey back in Season 1 with the Amundsens, and you're one of the first people to use Fish Donkey, but that's not why you're here. We're here to talk catfishing, Minnesota fishing issues, your guide service and stuff. So, let's get to know Darren Troseth. I mean, I got to know you years and years ago via the Internet, and you've been around a long time. Well, both of us have. And uh, absolutely, what got you going? Let's talk. What got you started? I mean, from the time you're a little kid, or maybe not, or yeah. So I I grew up on Lake Vermilion. My grandparents had a place on Lake Vermilion, and it was really my grandfather that got me into hunting. And fi- I mean, he was your you know cliche outdoorsman. He was always hunting and fishing, and he had a place on Lake Vermilion. And and as soon as the last day of school was out. I would go there, and I'd, I lived there all summer, and we would just go out and fish every single day. That was our morning thing, wake up in the morning, go fishing. So I had to like it, essentially. You know, it was a good thing I did like it, you know, but um, that really got the fishing, you know, bug into me. Um, and then I kind of, you know, as most people do through you know, high school, you kind of lose it a little bit, and I kind of wish we had fishing teams like they do now because I probably would have got into that big time. But uh, yeah, stop right there! Isn't that alone. something? I've been just yeah. looking um, the, over the weekend. West Fargo and all those guys have them now, right. and it's like yeah. what a cool deal. And then of course you get over into Detroit Lakes, and they've got really active teams over there. But what a cool, cool thing that we didn't have when we were young. And I think it's really starting to show these. I mean, these kids. You know, as they grow up, you can tell, you know, fishing is just growing quite a bit, I think, from what I've seen. And you, you see these kids on YouTube and doing their own thing, and they're they're really into it as, as far as, you know, as when I was that age, you know, we were just chasing girls, right? <laughs> well, that's nothing really wrong with that, is there? <laughs> Dale's laughing at me again. Right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I, I sidetracked there because what a cool deal. And I've been thinking, you know, how do we get that incorporated up here in Grand Forks? But we just don't have a body of water nearby to make it work up here other than the Red River, of course. But, you know, they want to do the walleyes and the panfish and the bass and do all the different things like those right. things are doing. And I don't yeah, blame I mean, them. I mean, it's the it's the bass thing that's so popular, right, just because it, it's, it lends to such good tournament fish. You know, you can go anywhere. You know, there's bass pretty much everywhere. So I can see why they want to do that. And it's a big business for the future tackle buyer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so anyway, back to your history. You mentioned that I had to jump in because it's it, it is a good program, and I just 
recently found out that the Fargo area has it. So Yeah, it's like I said, I wish I had that in high school, but I didn't. So instead, I actually went and worked at a resort, um, you know, like later days of high school. And I I was fortunate enough to work for a guy who was really into the into the fishing scene and he spent a lot of time doing things with the DNR and and really a big catch and release guy. And back then catch and release was kind of unheard of other than, you know, in fishermen kind of pushing their selective harvest and stuff. And, and I'd go out with him and he, we'd be catching all these giant bass and walleyes and he's just slipping them back in the water and just, you know, smiling. And I'm like, it was just totally new to me. That's the first time I'd ever, you know, seen that before. And it really showed me how selective harvest could really, you know, be a good thing and you don't need to keep all these fish. But anyways, that's just kind of a sidebar. Uh, fishing with him really showed me the selective harvest part of it. And I, I really learned a lot about that at that part of my life. Uh, then uh, as I graduated, I moved down to the metro area here and ended up living right near the Minnesota River. And I didn't think anything oh, about it. Darn. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was fishing for walleye and bass and pike and, you know, I, the river was right next to me, and I, it was never a second thought. Uh, well, then I uh, I got onto these forums, and at that time, it was Fishing Minnesota. Fishing Minnesota. And it might even have been a bulletin board at that time, way back when, like, I want to say maybe 1999 or something like that. At any rate, I started reading these posts about these big catfish and people talking about, you know, catching these big fish down at the river. And so I did more research and, you know, it was the re doing research was so much different back then. You know, you just didn't oh, Google something. We could do a whole up, show you know? just on how the web has changed in the last two decades right. and how we look, do our research. Yeah. I mean, I, it, you really had to dig deep to find some information. And so I, I did that. I dug deep and, and I found what I needed to do, where I needed to go. And as luck has it, I went down and, and just threw out a sucker minnow, dead sucker minnow on one of these old bass poles I had and, you know, I ended up catching a 45 pounder like in 15 minutes and then I was done. That was it. You know, career's like, over. That's it. I quit. This is my, <laughs> this is my new fish. And, and I, I thought that was kind of a normal thing. Well, I went to work the next day and it turns out the guy I work with actually ran a catfish league out of Belle Plaine. And I was telling him the story and he's just like, man, you suck. He's like, I've been fishing for many years trying to catch that fish. And you went down there for, you know, 15 minutes and caught it. So. Um, he actually invited me to join the league after that and joining that league. It's very similar to the league, you, you know, that is run up there on the uh, Red River. And honestly, that is what really taught me a lot about the catfish here, um, how to fish for them, different methods, different techniques. And going out with a different captain like every week was just like it's invaluable. It's like going out with a different guy. Isn't that week, something? You know? And what you, you can you, pick you, up with a guy just sitting there watching. Yeah, for sure. And you, you learn what to do. You learn maybe what not to do. Um, just a, a great learning experience. And I wish there were more leagues around um, for people to participate in. But um, it's it's just we live in a different time and people just, you know, live differently. So it, it's good that you still have that league up there because I think that's a good thing. Last year we were down a bit, but that had more to do with the high water and late start. But we just had another little impromptu meeting today and we're still going to be 30 to 35 boats, I suspect, up here, that's, which is big great. enough. It's yeah. big enough at that point. For sure, yeah. You don't want to get too big, you know, just... <laughs> well, I mean, let's be real. 35 boats on a three-hour tournament on a Wednesday night, getting them all out of there takes forever. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot. And some people have to go to work in the morning. 
I mean, when the, the first year of the this Bell Plane League I was in, um, we would all meet at the bait shop, and we would u- actually use Polaroid pictures. So you had to have a Polaroid camera and take a picture of the fish, and then you'd bring the Polaroids into the bait shop, and they'd write the you know measurements on there. And I think that was like the first year, and then the second year we finally started using some digital photos. <laughs> <laughs> we actually run scales still. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... We yeah. have three hours. You, at nine o'clock, when we blow the horn, you better at least be in line. But it's two fish, and because we're no call, it's two fish, pick them, and you're done. Yep. So if the fishing's good, we don't get that black log at the end like they do in other places where they're sorting all day. So, right. you know, and you, I mean, your biggest fish is, you know, probably, you know, 25 pounds or whatever. I think that tends to lend a little easier for, you know, taking these fish in and weighing them and stuff. And, you know, some of these fish you're catching, you know, you, you could catch a 50, 60 pounder and, you know, it's kind of tough to bring those fish around. Yeah, it's a, a different animal. And let's be real. river in the middle of the night. <laughs> I haven't seen a 25-pounder in league in, well, I've never seen a 25. I've seen a handful of 24s, handful of 22s. But for the right, most part, there, the big the fish. there to have them, right? For the most part, the big fish rolling in are that 12 to 16s for the most part. They get there too. I mean, it's basically you got two and a half hours when you consider travel time. So, right. you know, there, it's not a lot of time to put two fish in a box. Right. And but we still we still weigh them and everything is 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 old fashioned and they go right back in so I mean they're not stressed too hard. Right. I, I, at the end of the day, I think that's probably the most accurate way to determine a winner. You know, is is throwing them on the scale as long as you're not tossing lead weights in them. I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, do we want to go there tonight? <laughs> Dale's giving us the thumbs up to go for it. <laughs> So you run, I'm going to go for it. Do you, so you run all fish donkey now, correct? Uh, for my contest, I don't. There's still one I have that it, there's a way in. There is a way in. Uh, we'll do that one on pool two of the Mississippi. Yeah. Right. I, I actually like doing the way in. It gives me a chance to be there, to talk to everyone. Um, it's more of a group thing, you know. That's that's um, why I like them. <laughs> that's why I like them. The fish donkey thing kind of keeps things separated. Um, I I don't know. I there's pluses and minuses to both, um, but it's it's nice to have one event where everyone gets together and gets to you know BS a little bit. I love the camaraderie of it and the talking to people and the watching the fish right. and the seeing sure. the fish and and uh, so that, I mean I have a hard time getting away from it just because we did that one and sitting in that kitchen going through fish for two days just wasn't the same as watching them go over the scale and talking to all the people and you know you get that person who's driving in what what's going on and you visit with them and they had no idea there's catfish in the river let alone a river half the time yeah for sure you got the bystanders walking around and you know they're seeing all these big fish but since you run scales i want to ask are you changing any of your rules because of the whole lead incident i'm not um here's the thing like those walleye guys, they knew that was happening as soon as it happened. You know, they those guys have weighed enough fish that they they knew. I know? knew from the video. Right. I mean, we've all I, seen twenty six inch point fish. Where I can look at a catfish, at least from where we're catching them, and I can guess it within you know a half a pound probably. I bet you so can. If this, yeah, if this thing's you know a couple pounds heavy, 
I'm probably going to question it, you know. Cause... You watch enough of them go through that guide boat and your guide stimmit before. I don't know if you're weighing fish in your boat, but I do. You're watching that thing hit the floor and you're calling every one of them. I know you are oh, because yeah, I do. Oh, sure. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, especially at a weigh-in because you've just seen so many of them over the years. Yeah, I mean, I I I think I would like to think that I would know, but uh, some of these big flatheads might be hard to tell just because you know they're just so big. You know, mm-hmm. a half a pound, they they could eat a five pound meal. So I mean, it's you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, on the other side of it, two years ago we were doing a drive through weigh in because of the COVID, and we weren't allowed to do in person. And, you know, ways around laws, right? <laughs> so, anyways, uh, this team pulls up, and they they always tell me that their scale that they use in the boat is spot on to mine. And it was 1.1 pound light on their big fish. And they're kind of fussing, you know, our scale's always on. What happened? And they're draining the live well, and the one partner reaches in and pulls about a pound and a half pike up and goes, I think I found our pound. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Perfect example. <laughs> so, But, you know, I ask that because I got to believe that tournaments all over the country for everything from little kids' panfish tournaments all the way to catfish tournaments are watching more closely this year. I have to believe that. Yeah, I, w- I would think for sure. Like, it, it probably will spur an interest, you know, in uh, doing virtual thing or lengths or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, there, the, there's no such thing as a perfect contest, plain and simple. You, you're going to be able to find a loophole anywhere if you try hard enough. If you're a dishonest person and you want to be dishonest and win, you can probably get away with it. It just comes down to that. And you, you just got to kind of hope you know, that it's a good deal. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know where I stand on polygraph and we're pretty, I'm pretty happy with how it's leveled the playing field over the years. And um, in a no call tournament, you know, nobody's cheating because they're weighing in early. Why would you right. weigh in early if you're cheating? Really? Right. That's a, yeah, a real question. So I, you know, that helps a lot also. It also helps. Yeah, I think the, uh, the no call thing is, is a little tricky because the temptation's got to be there. Well, that's the know? number one rule to break. Right, for sure. And I should mention, I, I meant to message you, I was reading my Minnesota permit last year, and it said no call on it for Moorhead. Well, yeah. Oh, on the on the contest permit? Yes. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure exactly what what that means. If it means you catch a limit and then you can't call or you can't cull at all? Well, in our case, with our slot limit, 2 over 24 is a limit. Right. But it's a North Dakota thing, so, I mean, we're we're into it no matter what. Right. But it adds mm. an element of difficulty and strategy. And over the years of doing these tournaments, I've definitely noticed that a lot of people are really, really good at strategy. And a lot, oh, you know, yeah. and they're getting their strategy, the league guys in particular, they know what a good fish is, and then they time it. So I have to be over 15 before lunch. If I get to lunch and haven't got my 15s, then we'll start dialing it back a little bit to get some weight on the board. Interesting. But they know in a typical tournament that if you can get into the 30s on day one, that you're at least set up to make a move on day two. 
And right. that's the big strategy that I've learned over the years. Of course, you want to be in that 35 to 38 typically. But if you're not in the 30s, well, <laughs> yeah. you're probably out. So, you know, you see that too where people who aren't as good in that, well, I threw a 14 and a 15 back at 10 o'clock this morning. Never got it replaced. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a whole different strategy there. Especially, I mean, you got the culling and you got the two days, and I, th- I think sometimes you even got different sections of the river too, right? So, well, in, yeah, in the Shields tournament, you have two separate sections of river, so right. you're below a dam on day one and above a dam on day two, and it's both fresh right. water each day. So, um, and they do fish differently. And the reason we did that tournament is we have a distinct group of locals that are above the dam people and a distinct group that are below the dam people. And that's why we call it the boundary belt. It's not North Dakota, Minnesota, like a lot of people think. It's actually the dam in the middle, and you have to fish below it and above it. Interesting. I didn't know that either. That's pretty cool. So that's the reason for that tournament. And, of course, we had to go above both days two years ago because we would have wrecked every boat in there that had a prop. But yeah, that was uh, pretty sketchy water. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, but anyway, I wasn't even planning on talking about tournaments, but I, I think it's cool because you've been around them and I've been around them. And, and, uh, but so you got into catfishing with a 45 pound flathead. Yes. And like I said, I was done after that. I, I joined that league and not only was I fishing league, I was going out all the time on my own. And then I finally got a boat th- for the river and I, you know, I was spending four to five days a week. Did you, you know, have a boat for night. the lake before that? I didn't. Oh, yes, I did. I did have a a, a sixteen foot uh, runabout. I had that. I was. I took up to Vermilion a little bit and fished the lakes, but that was not made well for the river. So yeah, I just ended up getting a little fourteen foot with a twenty five horse on it, and I learned a lot of stuff in that boat. I probably caught more big fish in that boat than any boat I've ever had. I think, which is, I don't think it's bad for people to get into those 14 and 16s where they aren't as mobile. And in, in a lot of cases, and I'm, my kid thinks I'm threatening. Um, when he gets his first boat, especially if I'm paying for it, it's not going to have side imaging and mapping. Right. Learn it the old fashioned way, kid. I learned it with a flasher. (laughs) And and really that's all you need to know is the depth. You can read the river you know, by that. That's well, that's really the art. The art right. is reading the river. If you can right. read the river, you're already steps ahead. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think just, just knowing the depth is really all you need, honestly. I don't even and, know that you necessarily need to know the depth as much as yeah, you where the break don't. line is and the heads it. of the yeah. holes are and the bottom of the holes are. Right. I mean, my maps are set up. I just like it up. as a fail-safe as I'm coming up to a sandbar. I kind of like to know. Well, that. yeah, you got to deal with sandbars. <laughs> I don't necessarily. But, like, I got my maps all set up, so I don't even have depth on them. I mean, I have the depth on the depth finder. But right. all I care about is if it's a deep hole, a shallow hole, the front of the hole, the side of the hole. And I'll read right. the rest, and then, you know, the rest of the technology comes into it there. But we're going to talk about technology later. But, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think another key is not being mobile with those smaller, older boats is you have to learn where you can go and what you have available to you. Right. Or it's, it's to the point where you don't care if you damage it a little bit. So you get a little bit uh, reckless and get to spots where you might not normally go. <laughs> True enough. 
<laughs> well, I actually learned the red. I did have a bigger boat, but I kept it out at Devil's Lake. But I learned the red for a lot of years in a 14 Lund with a 15 horse. Yeah. So the runs yeah. six, seven miles after work just were not an option. Because no, it was just, that's, a, that's a long haul. <laughs> that is a long, long haul. And, uh, you know, the funny part now with this guide boat is I usually start further than I ever went back in those days just to get away from the crowds and the people but dale i got a little echo are you hearing it Uh, okay i'm just hearing myself a little on a little echo maybe if i turn it down just a touch or the middle dial down just a notch this one yeah there we go okay sorry for the interruption well i guess no worries i guess we want to talk about chiller bait tanks so let's look that up here they're somewhere around here right here Everyone in catfishing knows that fresh bait is the key to better success. Keep your fresh bait and alive longer with chiller bait tanks. Chiller bait tanks are the only fully insulated, roto-molded tank on the market, making them the most durable tank on the market. Chiller bait tanks offer patent-pending operating system for controlling gases in marine storage tanks. Our tank features off-chamber aeration. Off-chamber aeration is means air is comprised of 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. We focus on the 21% oxygen and extract that oxygen into our pump bay, confining the bubble agitation. The oxygenated water is then pumped to the tank to make happier fish. Available in 30 to 45 gallon and 45 gallon models, which both include free shipping. Each tank includes our three-stage quick-change filter and a customized power cord. Chiller bait tanks are compact and durable, give you many years of worry-free bait keeping. For more information or to buy your last bait tank, check them out on the web, chillerbaittank.com. Then, of course, my friend Thunder Ray. Everyone with a car or truck will need a repair at one time or another. May I recommend Thunder Ray's Auto Repair in Grand Forks. Ray is a friend of this show and of catfishing, and when he started his own shop, I knew he would be great. Just drive by the shop, and it's always full of cars, and that tells me they're a good and popular place to go. Our family's taken all of our service to Ray since they opened. Ray's fixes all makes and models of vehicles. Besides fixing your car or truck, they can order and mount any tires that you need or want. They can also fix, rotate, and balance your tires. In my personal experience, of course, I always bring it up. Ray can pack and replace all your trailer bearings on your boat trailer. Good to know, because everybody needs that, and it's often forgotten. Oil changes, tire changes, brakes, starters, alternators, electrical, everything else you can imagine for your car. Oh, yeah, and they can even restore your muscle car. If you want honest, fast service... On your car, think Rays. Thunder Rays on North Washington, Grand Forks. For more information or to make your appointment, thunderrays.com. All right. Bills are paid for a few minutes. So <laughs> where was I here? So anyway, you got started. You learned the river. You got a smaller boat. I, I know you were big in fishing Minnesota in those first years when I knew who you were. Then you kind of got into... Uh, youtube and some of that stuff and now i don't remember how many years it is but you've gotten into guiding and you've gotten to be a pretty big name in the guide business down in your neck of the woods yes yeah, i think it was 2017 when i started so this will be my sixth year i think so up for a coast guard my, renewal uh, i just did my renewal last year yeah that's a uh, joy it sure is i'm on my fourth <laughs> one's in the mail coming back so uh, yeah it's uh i mean it is what it is right they uh they require you to do it, so you have to get that license. But I mean, that's probably it's it, it, at the end of the day, it's probably a good thing that that they do that and they you know have good 
guides on the river that are knowledgeable and willing to spend some money and do some time putting the effort in. Well, I know it can be a touchy subject in some places with people who don't have it or have right. think they need it or whatever. But I mean, it proves that you've put the effort forth and it keeps right. the fly-by-night competition at bay for the most part. Right. Yep. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it really doesn't pertain to us for those of us who've been to the school. <laughs> when was the last time you did your charting? <laughs> yeah, then that was the last time. That was... And it was it was fun to learn it and I'm glad I learned it and I have that skill and I could probably do it again, but if you put me on the spot right now, I probably couldn't do it. <laughs> I took the limited class before they got rid of it, so the charting part was very limited for when we did it, but we did okay. do it. It was more rules of the road, lights, things like that, and then very limited charting and pass the test and here's your license. Yeah, I, th I think the whole uh, horns and signals and signs is probably the hardest for everybody. Just, I mean, it's something you'll, again, for us, we'll never use it, you know. Remembering it on a barge here and there, but the most part. Remembering yeah. what each light and each light flashing and what color coordination of the lights means that's right. gone. <laughs> <laughs> it just, at that point, it was just all memorization, you know? I, I thought it was cool the first time I went up to Selkirk and up to the open of Lake Winnipeg because it's buoyed. Oh, right. And knowing yep. what all that means and the rights and the lefts and the shallows and the main channels. And, and I thought that was kind of fun, just rolling yep. in there and knowing what all that meant. But that's the only time I've ever had to use it. Yeah, I mean, we see the barges on the Mississippi, so um, obviously some of those do come into play. Um, and, you know, you deal with the barges. And, but, yeah, for the most part, um, no, I don't use a whole lot of what I learned there. But, again, the effort was put forth, and and, uh, and I probably wouldn't have done it, actually, to be honest with you. I was kind of content with what I was doing just for fun. But, uh, you know, my wife kind of pushed me into it. Not begrudgingly, I was fine with it, but, you know, she... She's like, if you're going to do it, just go ahead and do it and, and spend the money. And, and you know, at the at the very least, it's something you can do when you retire or whatever. So I just, you know, got into it. And and uh, just by coincidence, one of the other, you know, well-known guides in the area was retiring at that time. So he was nice enough to send me uh, some of his business and, uh, you know, kind of got me jump-started. And uh, it's kind of taken off from there. Now it's to the point where... You know, I'm questioning, do I need to do this full time? And I'm sure you you went through that transition period, too. Um, well, my transition has a longer story, yeah. which is funnier than hell. I'm not telling it tonight because it's too long. But I was kind of pushed into full time. I mean, I was right on the edge of I have to make a decision here. But right. I was kind of pushed into it. The The previous job wasn't going the way it needed to go and um, my mouth might have gotten away a little bit, and it, it was time to go. It was time. Yep. And it was like, well, at least I have this to fall back on. It may not be a forever thing, but it'll be a for now thing, and, you know, here we are nine years later. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I really cool. Still need to diversify the winters a little better, definitely, because I don't have tough, that sturgeon but... season like you have to work with in the fall. Yeah, it, it, when you get decent weather. So, yeah, I haven't done one guide trip yet this year just because of ice conditions. So, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's what it, obviously you 
understand Mother Nature and how she can wreck your season. Well, I had 33 um, days off last spring in right, a row, so yeah. I know all about it. Right. But, yeah, I totally get the diversify thing. If you, if that's your full-time thing, I mean, that's a big deal. You got to, just like those uh, crab guys up in Alaska, you know, they're kind of scrambling. Well, I get it. I mean, two years ago we had no water. I ran basically a whole season in two and a half months. And last year we had too much water and I ran a whole season in two and a half months. Right. And there's no coming yeah. up for air. It's, it is what it is, but uh, I would like to have a full length season once you might get a day off to fix stuff in the middle. Right. Yeah. It's uh, like you say, diversify if you can, but if you can't, I mean, you just got to cram it in and uh, you know, pray for a, another better year the following year, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot like farming. I, I'm sure. It's exactly like farming. Being a farmer's kid, this conversation was had a lot of times you uh, yeah. pay all your expenses up front on your insurance and your gear and you've got your loans on your boats and such and then you hope to god mother nature plays nice so you can get the crop off right and uh, you know the problem is if you do have a disaster you don't have what they call prevent plant for the government to swoop in and at least get you by right you don't have crop insurance on your guide trips well that's that prevent plant thing but Right. I mean that and that's that's it. But yeah, dad and I had a lot of conversations about that and it's uh it is what it is, I guess. But you know, when you think about it versus farming, a tractor tire costs about as much as a boat, so Right. Yeah. You get a little more expenses. So but yeah, so you started the guide service and are you thinking full time? I wouldn't lie if I said that if it hasn't entered the conversation. I don't want to get you in trouble with your boss. It, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of in that gray area right now where if I, you know, do I want to just kind of keep doing this at a side gig or, you know, I'm, I'm still enjoying doing it. And my fear is that I won't. And I, I don't want to, you know, turn it into a grind where I hate doing it. Um, and obviously having a full-time job, with benefits and health insurance and, and giving that up it is a big step. It's a really big step. So um, fortunately I don't have any kids to support and my wife has gainful employment. So um, I wouldn't be living in a cardboard box if it didn't work out, but it's, it's a big decision. It is. It, it actually is. So, you know, thinking about that, you said you, you, you still enjoy doing it. Have you had a stretch where you're just like, I can't wait for this to get over so I can not do this for a while? Yeah, usually by the end of uh, October, November-ish. Um, so I'm driving an hour, 15 minutes to the St. Croix to do my sturgeon trips. Ugh, so, ugh, you yuck. know, I'm driving an hour, 15, fishing for... Si my trips are six hours, but a lot of times they end up being seven hours just because I'm a nice guy and I like staying out there and we're having a good time. And, you know, I, I never cut the clock. I never have a timer. It's just, you know, whatever feels right, we kind of pack up, you know. So a lot of times it six hours turns into seven hours. And then I got, you know, we're fishing until midnight or one. Now I got another hour and 15 to get home. Um, it's it's a grind. <laughs> like, like if, if I'm going to do it full time, I'm probably going to have to move closer to the river, you know, where, you know, so my commute isn't so bad, not to mention, you know, how hard it is physically. It's just, you know, not financially sound. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, are rates covering that kind of expense for two hours, two and a half hours driving? I, I mean, mean, so you're, you're an eight hours into a six hour trip without even blinking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And as, as long as gas prices don't, you know, 
all of a sudden get eight dollars a gallon um i i'm obviously not getting rich over it so i'd have to i'd have to uh you know rethink a few things obviously if i was to do it full time but uh for now it's just uh it's paying for my toys, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, 2021, I drove to Drayton 55 times, and that's 50, yeah. That's a 100-mile round trip. And those seven-hour days, there's no way to cut it. They were nine and a half every day. Yeah. That's, but uh, in but that again, situation, that stretch of river isn't always great. That year it was my savior because the section down here just wasn't cutting it. Right. And... You had to do it. Now, last year, totally wasn't worth the drive. So I went from that two hours of driving to 15 minutes round right. trip, and that was a good thing. And we caught just as many fish and just as nice of fish. So, you know, you take the good with the bad on that too, I guess. But still, at the end of the day, you're doing something you like, you're passionate about, you, uh, you know, you get up and you're excited to do it, to do it. So I think, you know, there's, there's definitely a value to that. Right. And I think, you know, I, granted at the end of the year, last year I was bushed. I mean, I went two straight months, sunrise to sunset basically. And I was bushed, yeah, but the funny part is about a week into being done for the year, it was like, oh, I'm ready to go. Let's find some clients and some fish and let's get this on. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I brought up before the, uh, the, those Alaskan crab guys, you know, they go out on their boat for a couple months and they, you know, work themselves to a bone. And they don't want to do it again the rest of their lives. And then next thing you know, they're back out there doing it again. Well, I never said I don't want to do it the rest of my life. I just don't <laughs> want to do it for a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the uh, ice conditions we've had here for, for ice sturgeon or whatever, um, it's sort of been okay with me. Like, I haven't taken a break. So, I mean, again. Well, it I don't, sounds I like don't they're garbage in a lot income, of spots. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, we're finally to the point now where we can get out there and drive out there. And I I prefer driving my truck out there just because I have so much gear and I just want to make sure it's safe for everybody. You know, that's liability is a big thing too. People, you know, give me a hard time. Oh, you're being a wimp. You can get out there and, you know, just go out there on some ice and, you know, walk out there. I'm glad you bring you that still up. Have liability stuff. I'm glad you bring that up because the last thing any of us in this industry want to do is test that insurance policy. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's not the cheapest insurance in the world, but I mean, like it or not, admit it or not, we have people's lives in our hands when they're in our boats or by our gear. And that's just right. how it is. And until you're in that situation, I mean, you're stupid if you're not concerned about it. Right. So I had and one. Like I said, I, I know I could get out there earlier and I could, you know, book some extra trips. It's not worth it to me. You know, it just isn't. Well, if I had the guts to snowmobile down the river through some of that sketchy ice, I mean, and figure out how to catch these fish through the ice, I'd be a millionaire. Right. But yeah. I don't want to be out there, and I certainly don't want someone else who doesn't know where they are and what they're doing out there under my yeah. care. It's it's a big difference risking your own life versus risking someone else's life. Exactly. You know, we had a situation a few years ago, great customers, they're back every year, can't wait to see them again. But the very first time they were with me, they were a half-day trip after another half-day trip. And we had about an hour-long thunderstorm delay at the boat access. 
So we just sat in the truck, visited, got to know each other. Launch, I left the boat in. It's tied to the dock during the storm. Drained out the boat. We went out. We set up. And I don't even think it was 10 minutes and the tornado sirens were going off. Oh, gosh. And so I'm looking at the weather. And this thing is coming down the north end of the highway right at us. It's like five miles away coming right at us. And like, we got to go. Oh, come on. We can fish. If it gets closer, we'll get out. <laughs> no, no, I think we're going to go. <laughs> we loaded up and we went up to the hill and we ended up, we saw it on a, in a distance and we stayed to a point where we could get out of Dodge and it turned and it went north and we went back fishing. But they're like, well, we could have fished. It's like, but I didn't know that. And your lives are in my hands today. Right. Yeah. It's. I, I, by coincidence, I actually fished through a tornado last year during my contest, and it's no joke. You don't want to do that. Trust me. <laughs> oh. Well, I've had a couple of dandies that we probably should not have stayed on the water for. But, you know, when the weather service tells you where it is and you can actually see it, yeah, we're going to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it, Obviously, you're liking this. Now, let's talk. You're doing flatheads in Pool 2 and Minnesota, mostly. Yeah, yep. And then so you're moving over to St. Croix for yep. the Sturgeons. Yep. And strangely enough, the last couple of years, I've caught almost more flatheads fishing for sturgeon on the St. Croix than I have fishing for flatheads on the Mississippi and Minnesota. Just because of the, the water levels have been so low that I think these fish just move into these bigger bodies of water. And, you know, they're looking for that source. So, um, yeah, really weird. We I've caught a lot of stir, or flatheads actually sturgeon fishing just with a, you know, piece of shad. Are you taking so, notes? Because if this keeps happening, you might have a new pattern developed for catching for fish sure. when no oh, one yes. else is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's good for business. So I want to get into some of the political stuff here, but you do something that I've never heard of with another guide. And I want to ask you just for our, you have a no tip policy. Why do yeah, you have I'm, a no tip policy? I'm a crazy SOB. <laughs> um, personally, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a no tipper or a bad tipper. I just feel in some cases it's not necessary. Like I believe in tipping when let's say you have a, a charter boat, you know, with, you know, some mates that are working hard, you know, and they, that, that they're working for tips or, you know, maybe some charter boats up on say like Lake of the woods where they don't own the business. They're just working for the business. Um, this is my business. So if I want to charge more, I'll just charge more. You know, I'm not depending on these tips. I'm going to work as hard as I can to put you on fish, whether or not I just, you know, I expect a tip or not. So my philosophy is, is, Here's your price. I make it easy. It's a flat rate for the boat for the night, whether you take one person or three people. I just want to make it easy for people. So that's all it comes down to. I kind of put myself in the position of what I would like if I was doing that. So, um, and just be a little different, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with everything you said. I just kind of, from my perspective is, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And if you think that's worth more, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I I've pushed away hundred hundred dollar bills before, you know, just I just it's my policy. That's what I'm gonna do. Like I don't feel I don't I'm not 
I don't know. It's it's just a personal policy, I guess. <laughs> Commendable, sir. Dale, do we got any bills to pay? Muskox. Let's roll muskox quick. Hey, if you move snow with a skid steer, you've got to see the muskox difference. A patented back drag feature allows operators to blow snow while back dragging in front of obstructions. You know, garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. Now this saves time and money while lowering injury risk by decreasing manual labor. The optional dual auger, called the dually, helps the operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while back dragging. And the glide plate, it allows you to glide over grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. Subsequently, create an instant torque on the lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice to better expose hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. See the difference for yourself. It's the muskox difference. All right, let's uh be- before we get totally away from the guides, if they want to hire you or look you up, where do they find you? Uh, I got a website, threeriversfishingadventures.com. That's uh, with the number three. Uh, Facebook, same name. YouTube, same name. Instagram, same name. Um, just look and you'll find me. Remember that three with the number three. (laughs) The number three. So let's just talk catfishing Minnesota. Um, There's a few things. How's your bait situation down in your part of the world? Bait's always a struggle. Every single well, that's a struggle year, like, everywhere, but I gotta ask. Yeah, it's uh, I, it's the it's the number one issue always. Like, it's like my stress level for guiding is always about bait. You know, that's number one. Agree, like, number one. <laughs> you guys can use cast nets now, correct? Only for shad, and only on the uh, on the Mississippi and the Saint Croix and the Minnesota. Has that alleviated any pressure for bait finding and collection? Only in the fall. So, like, for, for um, like, the shad are small in the spring. Right. In the early summer. So, it's basically, you know, worthless to, as far as being on the, on the Minnesota and the, uh, the Mississippi. So, I'm out getting bullheads, creek chubs, suckers. Um, if I can't get any one of those three, like... I have frozen suckers, and I don't really like using frozen suckers, but that's kind of my backup plan. Um, and then, you know, backup backup plan is having a bait rod in the boat and trying to catch, you know, drum or whatever, because we can use those. But um, I just wish I had an endless supply of bait, and I didn't have to worry about that, like, for every guide trip. Wouldn't like, that be nice? Just... <laughs> I have a good situation now and can store them and this the trick is still playing phone phone tag to get them oh yeah for sure yep and you know i've got a pretty good frog season's easy i have i have some kids lined up i just shoot a text to their dad and the frogs show up on my doorstep that's awesome. and at the rate Perfect. this is going those children are going to go to college on my dime <laughs> <laughs> well that's the other thing too you know you get to a point where You'll give basically whatever you need to to get the bait, and sometimes you can't even buy it, you know, at any price. Right. Yeah, so, you know, you got to – it is my number one stress is keeping on bait. And I'm trying to usually stay 10, 12 days ahead of it just right. to ensure that it's always going to be there. 
And so your bait situation is pretty much the same as our bait situation, except for we have to kill every, everything that's alive before we leave the river. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not really cool. Cause <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, especially when you're using live bait as your primary. I've been sport. to the legislature over it and it's still not rectified on our side of the river. Hmm. So, um, fishing pressure. Here's an interesting question for you. In your catfishing career, I'm locked up, Dale. Okay, we're good. In your catfishing career, have you noticed more pressure? Uh, for sure, yeah. I, I think you could probably ask that of any fisherman. It seems like, but um, I, you've, I mean, you've seen it. Catfishing has grown quite a bit, and it's the one thing that I will never ever complain about because I promote it a lot. So you know, it's it's one of the things where. I'm glad people are into it. I'm glad to see there's, you know, um, rod makers and, you know, tackle manufacturers. And there's things available now that you couldn't get 15, 20 years ago. You know, you'd, you'd wait for no that. No more trolling connection. rods for us. <laughs> <laughs> you'd wait for that catfish collect or catfish connection catalog to come in and you'd thumb through it and put in your order, you know, and you don't have to do that anymore. So, um, yeah, I, there's definitely a lot more people out fishing. Um, I don't know if it's hurt the fishing at all. Um, more so, you're just spending more time with more people in your vicinity, I think. I think that's fair. I mean, I definitely noticed it late last year here. Because usually, by the time you get past Labor Day, you're alone. Right. And that just flat out was not the case last year. I mean, pull up to the dock from a morning trip and there's 15 rigs sitting there. Right. That's just unheard of up here. But like you said, you can't really be mad about it, considering I'm the one that caused most of it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm the blame for bait shortages. You can even ask Game and Fish. If you wouldn't have promoted this so good, we wouldn't have these problems. Yeah, I don't doubt it. What a they, stupid they, thing to say, good. but <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's how that goes. So, But that's good. I mean... Are you noticing a younger crowd? Because that's one thing I'm not necessarily noticing up here. I mean, there's always kids on the bank, and that's great. But as far as, like, the league crowd, the tournament crowd, we're kind of missing that next generation. Yeah, I think partly. However, um, like, part of my guide trips, when, when people bring their kids along, I'm really amazed how passionate they are and how much knowledge they have. Like, they'll be bringing up things that I had no idea about. And I was like, how do you know these things? Well, Google, YouTube, you know, it's, uh, I think the education level is so much higher than, you know, when I was a kid. So I, I don't know. I think there are a younger generation coming through. Unfortunately, they might be fishing for other species. <laughs> well, and I think another thing is, at least in some, most of my experience with YouTube is, a lot of it's the same stuff over and over, people trying to be famous, and there's not anything really that earth-shattering coming out in it. No, there's not. It's it's what it is now. It's personalities. The, fi the fishing's been, you know, we've been through that ringer already. Now it's down to the personalities and who people are following for personalities, um, you know, brand or whatever, you know. It's it's just getting filtered out because there's so much of it. <laughs> right. I, I miss that page. And I think part of it, I, in fact, I know part of it is 16 years of TV. Right. If you don't have good video, I'm out. 
if you don't spit it out, I'm out. Yep. I mean, if you're going to make me watch you reel in a fish, it better be in 90 seconds or I'm out. <laughs> Dale's giving me thumbs up over here. I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that comes from TV. You have 30 seconds, spit it out. Right. And, you know, maybe it's the fact that I have a bad case of ADD, too. But um, I find it amazing just the stuff people will sit and watch. It's like nothing. There's nothing there. And people just watch it. Like, I, I just don't get it, you know. And obviously, the new thing is, you know, TikTok and shorts and, you know, reels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the attention span is down to 30 seconds now, If you know. It's, I, I don't know. I don't know where the future is going with that. I don't necessarily agree that it's a good place, but well, um, I don't know. It's been a slower way to do it, but I mean, I think just being a decent guy and trying to do a good job and working hard seems to work out okay, too. Building that stone house is always a good idea. <laughs> so we talked about bait. We talked about, let's talk about this live sonar. We chatted a little bit about it yesterday. I have not tried it with catfish. I can see some I've talked to some guys who have had some success with it. I can definitely see situations where it might work, but I don't know that it'll work every day. What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. Um, like I said, I, I think you can go out and be successful without any sonar at all. But So the, the main reason I bought mine was for the cast nets and the shad. Oh, God, um, yeah, absolutely. It totally changed it. it. It was, I mean, it's night and day difference especially when these shad are roaming in these big basins, you know, out on the, on the St. Croix, you can turn that thing and you, you, you spot the school of shad and it's just, you throw the net and you're done. So it's, for me, it's absolutely a time saving convenience thing and it will more than pay for itself in the long run as far as shad go. Um, but also for ice fishing, I think it's, it's definitely a changer for it. So I do sturgeon through the ice and it doesn't, it is never going to help me catch more sturgeon, but it definitely makes for a more entertaining trip when you're only catching zero to three fish a trip. You know, it's something for people to look at. It's something for them to get excited about. Um, and it's just, it's entertaining. Well, at least so, you know when they're um, around. So you know you yeah, have a for shot. Sure. Yep. Yep. So, um, and I, I haven't utilized it at all for open water catfishing. Like I've messed around with it. The problem is, if you have any sway in your boat or that's any windy or anything, that image is constantly changing and bouncing. And I don't know, it's definitely a learning curve. I'd get car sick probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, if you're completely still and you're not bouncing and moving, you can scan under trees and um, you're basically seeing the same thing that side imaging is seeing just, you know, more of a real time live image of it. But I, I, am skeptical of people that say they pull up to a fish and catch it. I, I, I don't know about that. I've heard a couple, uh, I'm going to say they're very, um, I'm, the word is eluding me now. I, I totally believe in what they did and that yeah. it was true. Okay. Um, I think the situation worked. And it worked for them, but I don't know that it would necessarily work every day. Right. Like, uh, I think you could pull up to a big log jam and drop it in and steer it around and and probably find a fish in a log jam. But now you got to try to get it out of there, too. So, 
um, I don't know. I there's a lot of log jams where I know there's fish in there. I won't even try to fish it because it's just pointless. You're never going to get that fish out of there. Yeah, um, I don't want to give away too much of their strategy, but what they had noticed is it was pre-dawn hours of a tournament when they couldn't fish, yep. and they just had it on, and they were watching the fish and how they were acting. And so instead of plan A that we all have, they immediately targeted where they cast it, and they got their one big fish that they needed early and quick because huh. they were watching it feed a specific way in a specific area. Without getting too much into detail, I'm just going to leave it at right. that. And no, I that think there's sense. a lot to be learned from that with it. Now, you look at these guys that troll and drift and, and do all that stuff, or even the back bouncing. I got to believe someone's going to dial that in and really get it, especially the trollers, because you can see the shad and make that adjustment to pull the bait through the shad where the fish are for probably sure. under the school. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, you know the guys that have really utilized it are these uh, paddle fish and spoonbill guys. Oh, Those God, yeah. I saw a video from a couple. Yeah. <laughs> With any luck, I'm going to be down south doing that here before long. Yeah, it's on my list too. Like it's one of those things that I probably wouldn't do a lot of. I just I just want to do it one time, you know. Just just I, I I'd like to try it because it does look like fun. We have the paddlefish thing in North Dakota, but it's shore only and casting. And right. I want to go down south and I want to do the drifting and and the finding them. Right. I think that would be just the bomb. And there might be an opportunity coming up. More to come on that. But yeah, I've, I've heard uh, Grand Lake is a place to go. That's on the list. Also Ozarks. Yeah. Uh, when I picked up my first G3 in 09, uh, we went out with Catfish Safari that no longer is around anymore. And uh, I didn't even know about that drifting for Spoonbill, as they call it. So we had booked a catfish trip for the next day and came to find out it was right in the middle of Spoonbill season. And they were smoking them the day before we were supposed to fish, but it was too late to change our plans because he didn't have... He re-geared his boat for us before he came in that night. Right. But uh, I would definitely give that a shot if I'm down in that part of the world again. Yeah, I think the uh, the whole drifting and trolling and dragging, um, that's kind of, uh, I think it's going to take off here eventually. Like, that's what you see a lot of on YouTube now. And it's I've seen some people experimenting with it, and they're having some success. And, you know, with these trolling motors being so precise and, you know, have spot lock and this and that... I, it's a matter of time before a lot of people start doing it in this area, I think. And it's, it's untapped. Um, obviously we don't have the big blue cats like they're catching, you know, but I think there's a lot of big flatheads and channel cats out in the middle of the channel roaming that people never target. You know, it's, it's probably not so much in your area where it's so channelized and fast current, but um, some of these bigger areas down by me, I, I know guys are doing it right now on the St. Croix, and they're being pretty successful and actually catching some nice flatheads doing it. So. And obviously pretty quiet, too. Right. Because yeah. I don't oh, know yeah, about sure. it. Yep. I mean, I think that to really know it, you got to get into Iowa and those reservoirs. I know Lewis and Clark Lake for that tournament, that's that's the only way they fish pretty much down there anymore. Right. And so and I, I want to experiment more with it. I just don't have the time to do it. And I'm being successful with what I'm doing. So it hasn't necessitated. If it it's yet. not broke, don't fix it. And how do you experiment with something that drastic with clients? Right. You don't. Right. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, I have some very special long-time clients we do some experimenting with. And I mean, 
jigging cats. We've had a ball doing that. But you got to have the right conditions and you got to have the right clients. Right. And, you know, bobber fishing with clients is a no-no when you're running bait cast reels. (laughs) (laughs) In a windy day. (laughs) Yeah, that too. So, I mean, experimenting is very difficult when you're guiding quite a bit because you got to have either very special clients with you or... Or no clients with you in case, which yeah. case it doesn't work out. So Or have the time to do it yourself, you know, the spare time. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen much anymore. So, right. well, we're already at our hour mark. We're already way over time. But I got one more thing that you sent me yesterday that I was unaware of, and it is House Bill 944 in the state of Minnesota. Uh, just to be short without reading it, I have the bill right here. Basically, it's the prohibition of the manufacture, sale, and use of lead tackle, jigs, and sinkers under two and a half inches in length. And this pops up and goes away, but it, it just, this one has the feel that it might have some teeth. And you sent this to me. I was unsure of it, so I kind of sent it around and it's really getting the feel it might have some teeth, and that could be a huge detriment to the catfish community in Minnesota. It would really change how everyone fishes, especially, you know, I measured, you know, for example, I measured a flat bank five-ounce sinker, and that's just under two and a half inches. So it essentially wipes out all our lead. Five-ounce no-roll is exactly two inches. Yeah, there you go, you know. So it it's basically wiping out all our lead, which I have hundreds of pounds of, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I, this has been around for a few years and it's the same legislator that keeps introducing it, keeps introducing it, keeps failing. Well, now the legislature is in a place where he might find votes that he didn't have before. So it, it worries me a little bit. So like the two line thing that usually ends up somewhere in an omnibus, omnibus bus bill, right? Correct. Towards the yep. end of the session. Yep. So just to touch on two lines, do you feel any more confident with it? I don't want to talk uh, much I about it because... Essentially, I've kind of given up on it, but the DNR has given it their blessing for the Minnesota River and the Mississippi River on Pool 2. So they've actually... Last year, they added it. They're the omnibus bill. You know, they, it, they gave it the green light, and we were ready to go. Well, guess what? The, legislator didn't, the <laughs> legislature didn't pass the omnibus bill so last year i was very confident and when that failed i just threw up my hands and said you know what happens happens and And see we have it so i mean it's (laughs) normal to me and i can't i I just can't get it to calculate in my head why it's so hard especially to have it permitted for catfish folks who are usually under anchor usually soaking it on the bottom or from the shore and I mean, days can get pretty long even with two per, let alone right. one per. So I just, I have a hard time fathoming that this is so difficult, but it seems to be a big deal. They're really worried about being pushed for statewide. They're just, it just, you know, it frightens the DNR to have two lines statewide. And, and we have it here. Know, it doesn't seem yeah. to be a problem. Let <laughs> me tell you about walleyes. Well, let me tell yeah. you about walleyes in Devil's Lake. They're always going to bite the line you're not messing with, and they're always going to get away. <laughs> so it's actually good for the fish, in my opinion. Yeah, it probably is. It, but it, It's so frustrating watching, you know, we talk about these YouTube guys, and 
you know, they got 10, 12 lines out, you know, and they're still not catching fish. You know, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it would be nice to have the option, but it is. Well, I can tell you this, when you, I put two people or three people in my boat, I'm running six line spread every day and I can still not catch fish with the best of them. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and you got a great fishery. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, I don't fish the Red Lake River as much as I would like to simply because of the no two lines. I just can't bring myself to drive to the other side of the red to that other tributary that I know is good and put my boat in there with clients knowing I'm 50% less in bait. Right. Yeah, it's it's just frustrating, especially when you're t- when you're throwing them all back, you know. It's uh... Right. You can't use the it's going to damage well, you can cuz they're going to say mortality and and um you know, I don't know if you saw the Nichols Clute show from the DNR, but he doesn't seem all that worried about it. No, I didn't catch that one. Highly recommend going back. That guy's really smart, and the red is in really good shape, according to his research. But that's side note. Um, I just don't... The whole over limits and damage, I just can't fathom that it's going to cause that much damage, especially in catfish, to bring them in, take a picture, and let them go. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I'm privy to some information internally with the Minnesota DNR and over half of their fisheries people support two lines. So whatever they're saying on the top is not filtered down with the rest of them. Well, it'll be interesting because I, a North Dakotan, have finally been accepted to the Minnesota Catfish Working Group. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Whenever that happens, uh, you know, I'll be bringing in a little different perspective because I've got the history with North Dakota, yet I deal with Minnesota on a daily basis. Yeah, I, that, that'll be a good perspective to bring to that group for sure. And, you know, I deal with people on both sides. of I actually deal with DNR more nowadays than I do North Dakota, but um, I hope I can be useful because I've tried three different times and I, I believe some of the DNR folks finally said, this is the guy I want and we're going to do this. So Yeah, I, it's, it's, it left me a good, ex, good experience for you for sure. But back to the lead... Um, are we going to invent a sinker mold or are we going to start uh, drilling holes and nuts from the hardware store? Spark plugs, right? <laughs> I, that, I mean, that's the obvious, you know, workaround is make a mold that's longer than two and a half, 2.6 inches. There you go. Right. But it's not going to work very, you'll have to make some pencil weights for some of the smaller weights, you know, if you're using one right. or two ounces. But I think... You know, I'm a no-roll guy. I got to believe you can stretch at least a three to a six, well, a three to five out. Six doesn't matter. Six should be over. Oh, yeah. There's some workarounds, but it's unfortunate that we're even having to think about that. You know, we, we have this group called Minfish, supposedly, here in Minnesota that's fighting these things. So hopefully Let's they hope have they their fight lobbyist it. on this. So, yeah, I mean, the workarounds. Now, as a North Dakota perspective... This is one, and we talked about it up before the show. I could honestly see myself not buying a Minnesota license and coming across the border for walleye fishing and such over this. Really? Oh yeah. And Why I can't be alone that? on that. Yeah. I just can't be alone in that quick mindset. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not. It's, you shouldn't even have to think about that. Now you have to pull all your lead out of your boat when you go to the other side of the. You know, it's. I don't know. I. I hope. They use a little common sense here because there is no common loon in the world that's eating a four-ounce sinker. Well, they're going to choke <laughs> long before they die of lead poisoning. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I totally get the small lead shot for waterfowl, you know, how they're eating that. Right. Um, but when you're getting into these large, even a large split shot, I don't think they're eating, honestly. Well, one so. ounce jigs, three quarter ounce jigs. I mean, I find that hard to believe as well. And I right. did read an article that the loon population is pretty high. Yes, the the loons and eagles are probably doing the best they've had in 50 years. So um, take that, I guess. But at the, at the end of the day, it's probably it's probably a tungsten lead manufacturer behind the whole thing. It could be. Know? Have you priced any tungsten sinkers lately? I sent you a picture of a one and a half yesterday. Oh what? yeah! As soon as I saw the uh, the house file bill again, I started looking for alternatives, and you're looking at you know 20 bucks for a. Right, five ounce sinker. A one and a half ounce tungsten sinker is twelve ninety nine. I've never right. found a five ouncer yet or a six ouncer. Yeah, I think there's a few out there. There's also some uh, alternative that they're making out in California that's some sort of steel, um, but now you're looking at twice the size of the sinker. Well, I have a drill press and surplus center down here is two twenty nine a pound for nuts. There you go. I mean, yep. it could come down to a. I don't use them. You'd use them. Uh, a sinker slide and a bolt with a hole in it. Yeah, yeah. Or the old so, spark plug trick from back in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's it. We're gonna make sinkers the shape of spark plugs because that's over two and a half inches. Full circle. Full circle. Okay. Nobody listened to that last few <laughs> seconds of the podcast. That's my my diversification plan. <laughs> So, well, that's awesome. We hit an hour 10, which is about where I want to be. Uh, did we miss anything that you'd like to talk about with Minnesota catfishing? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I could talk all night, so I, I probably have to say no. <laughs> well, I could too, but we don't want to bore everybody. Um, I want to thank you for coming on in short notice, talking your history. I think it's always cool to hear how we got started and, you know, the internet always brings us together and, you know, you're guiding now and looks like very successfully as well as full as you want to be for now and for uh, now you know that's that's great and you you've always been kind of that four person for minnesota catfishing as to what's going on and the leader so we appreciate that even over here on the north dakota side of the river awesome so thank you for coming on and uh we'll probably have you on again to talk especially if this lead thing goes through i'll be here just ping me Ready to go. I know the number. So thanks again to Darren Troseth. That's three with the number three rivers fishing.com, right? Oh, it's on the three screen. Rivers fishing three adventures. rivers fishing adventures. It's on the screen. There you go. If you want to do some flatheads or some St. Croix sturgeon, look Darren up. And that'll do it for this episode of Catfish Best Source. Remember our season three sponsors, Half Brothers Brewing. Of course, still enjoying my morning dreams here. Thunder Rays Auto Repair Brothers Firearms Muskox Snowblowers and Chiller Bait Tanks. Reminder to sign up for the Catfish Capital Challenge in Drayton, the Moorhead Catfish Tournaments that are coming up this summer. Between now and next week, check out Grand Fork's Best Source for all their list of shows at gfbestsource.com. If you'd like to hear any of our old shows of Catfish Best Source, go to redrivercatfish.com and click on the Podcasts button. Also, producer Dale told me you can go to the Podbean app 
and Catfish Best Source has an audio file for the historical shows there as well. Until then, if you'd like to look me up, book a trip, or just get some information, redrivercatfish.com, Brad Durick Outdoors on Facebook, Brad Durick on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up for our Super Clean Contest at Brad Durick Outdoors Facebook page. Simply type in the keyword river. Until next time on Catfish Best Source, I'm your host, Brad Durick.